Amen. Let's give a clap offering. <laughs> Father God in heaven, thank you. Thank you so much for the new life that we have in Christ. You are exalted above all, Lord God. And we give you thanks for your love and your mercy. They endure forever. Church, I just want to read to you the passage that we're looking at this morning and let it encourage you. We all know, when I say, where does joy come from? Joy comes from the Holy Spirit. But the Holy Spirit, God uses circumstances in our life to bring us great joy. I just want to share with you this passage, and then we'll be seated. Philippians chapter 1, verses 1 through 11, says this. Paul and Timothy, bondservants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi, including the overseers and deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. You may be seated. So we're beginning a new book today, Philippians. And anybody that's been studying the Bible for any amount of time understands that the book of Philippians is known as the epistle of joy. Yes, I heard it out there. The epistle of joy. The Holy Spirit gives us joy. But what we're going to look at this morning is the circumstances surrounding the Apostle Paul. And not only joy does come from the Holy Spirit, but also it comes from our outward circumstances. The Apostle Paul, he was a very uh, interesting individual. I, I'm very impressed by him. He lived a very interesting life from city to city, synagogue to synagogue, riot to riot, from persecution to persecution, from prison to prison. The Apostle Paul kept going. He kept going. What kept, what fueled Paul on his missionary journeys and on his final journey to Rome and possibly on to Spain after the book of Acts? What fueled him? Two things. His love for the Lord Jesus Christ and his love for the bride, the body of Christ. Do you understand that you are the bride? You are the body, as well as our Baptist brothers and other church brothers in the city. You guys are the bride. And this is what drove Paul. He wanted to, he, he had the words of eternal life. He had the gospel. And he's like, I've got to get this out to the world. I've got to get this out to the people. Because of his love for Jesus, number one, that was his first love. And then his love for sharing the gospel. But it wasn't always that way for Paul. It wasn't always that way. Acts chapter 9 verse 1 says this. Now Saul, this is who Paul was before, was still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord. He hated the church. He hated the church. He hated Christianity. And now you read Philippians chapter 1, understanding that Paul hated the church and hated Christianity, didn't want to have nothing to do with Jesus. When you read Philippians chapter 1, it brings on a whole new meaning. It brings on a whole new meaning. It shows us a portrait of grace. It shows us a portrait of grace. It shows us a portrait of the Holy Spirit can do with an individual that's filled with hate and anger and completely transform their lives and, and to make them to uh, love Christ and to love the church. What Paul once hated, and I, and I, and I use that word because he did, he, he, it says that he was there giving wholehearted approval at the stoning of Stephen. They believe he was even holding the jackets of the men that were stoning Stephen. But the thing 
that Paul once hated now was the joy of his life. And as Christians, as followers of Christ this morning, it should be um, what brings us joy is our, our relationship with Jesus Christ and our love for the body of Christ. So let's look at verses 1 and 2 this morning and, and with this question in mind. What kept the Apostle Paul going? The answer is found in verse 1 and 2. Philippians chapter 1, verse 1. Paul and Timothy, bondservants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi, including the overseers and deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, Philippians, written to the church at Philippi, the first European church, in the Macedonian region, Acts chapter 16, Paul sees a vision. This guy saying, hey, come over here. We need the gospel. So Paul and Silas tra travel to Macedonia, and, and they come to the city of Philippi. There was no synagogues there. It took 10 Jewish men to start a synagogue. There wasn't there. They found these, these women down by the river, and, and they established the church. Um, Paul wrote the book of Philippians. I like to say in Acts chapter 29, because there is no Acts 29. The book of Acts actually ends with Acts 28. But this is post, this is after the book of Acts was written. He's, he's writing this letter, and this is to the church at Philippi, a Roman colony. But what kept Paul going, of course, according to verses 1 and 2? What kept him going was his relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Look at it. Paul and Timothy, bond servants of Christ Jesus. A bond servant. We see the words in the New Testament, uh, servant, bondservant, and slave. And almost every single one of those situations, the Greek word is doulos. It simply means a slave. It means a slave. But they word it based on the context of the meaning of the passages in, but it's all the same word, doulos. A doulos was one who, a slave that served his master at no cost. There was no cost. He lay aside his own desires and placed his master's desires above his own. Why? Because his master was so great. His master treated him so good. We hear the word slave today, and it has a negative connotation, which there was a, a very evil thing called slavery not too long ago, this, this evil. But in the New Testament time, slavery, slaves were, was a way of life. It was the way a, a, a doulos would serve a master. Why? Because that master took such good care of them and their family that they served them freely for life. And so the, the thing that kept Paul going was he was a bondservant. He was a doulos of the Lord Jesus Christ. So the first thing that gave Paul joy this morning is he was a slave to Jesus. He was a slave to Jesus Christ. In other words, he was in complete total surrender. It wasn't just with his head. It wasn't just with his heart. It was with his complete life that he surrendered to Jesus Christ as a, as a slave of the Lord. Do you know this? All men are slaves. All men are slaves. Every single human being, including us in this room, we are a slave. But the question we ask is, who are we a slave to? Listen to Romans 6, 16. Do you not know when you present yourself to someone as a slave for obedience, you are a slave to the one whom you obey, either of sin resulting in death or of obedience resulting in righteousness. All men, all people, you're either a slave to Jesus Christ or you're a slave to sin. 
Before I came to Christ, I was a slave to sin. I was a slave to my flesh. I was a slave to my earthly desires. I had no thoughts, no desires for God. But when I surrendered my life to Jesus Christ, he gave me a new heart and a new desire. And, and as, as, a, as a slave in the New Testament time, I served my master at no cost. I served Jesus because he was so good to me. Who are you a slave to this morning? You know, that's, that's a, a very challenging word. But it's true of Christianity. Believers in Jesus who serve him, as we see Paul was. Paul set aside his own desires, his own pharisaical religion, his own traditions, and he said, I'm going to serve Jesus Christ. Hopefully this morning, I hope that you can honestly say in your heart, I am a slave to Jesus. I want his desires above mine. I want to follow him. Amen? So the first thing that kept Paul going, he was a slave to Jesus Christ. Let's look at the second thing. The second thing that uh, gave Paul joy. The second thing that gave Paul joy was the Philippian believer's response to the gospel. Let's take a look at it in verses uh, 3 and 4. In verses uh, 3 through 11, Paul uses the word you 10 times. Verses 3 through 11, he's focused on the believers and what they have done. Verse 3, 3 and 4, he says, I thank my God and all my remembrance of you, always offering prayer with joy in my every prayer for you all. The question we have to ask, I said their response to the gospel is looking at verse 3 is, what was it that Paul remembered? That's the key word there. I thank my God and all my remembrance of you. What did Paul remember about the church at Philippi? This is what he remembered, their response to the gospel. We know that Paul went to Philippi on the second missionary journey and the third missionary journey. We're not given any details of the third missionary journey because we believe he just stopped in to receive an offering. But he spent a lot of time in uh, Acts chapter 16 on, on his second missionary journey, 11 years prior to this writing. Who, was, who did he come across? Who, who did, what was his memory? I'm going to give you a quick summary because Acts chapter 16 is very, very long. But this is what he remembers from his visit in Philippi. The first one was Lydia. Lydia was the seller of purple. They met her by the river, the place of prayer, with other women on the Sabbath. And as Paul was sharing the gospel with these ladies down by the river, the Bible says that uh, the Lord opened Lydia's heart. And she received Jesus Christ as her Lord and Savior. She, Lydia was so transformed, so changed. The scripture says that she opened her house. She opened her house for them to meet there. That's why we believe that the church at Philippi first met at Lydia's home. That was where it started until a synagogue or until a facility was built. They first met in her home. So that was the first thing that uh, Paul remembered from Philippi. The second, second person was a demon-possessed slave girl. As Paul and Silas traveled daily to the meeting place by the river, this demon-possessed slave girl pestered Paul and Silas daily. Paul became so annoyed at one point in their journey to the river, he turns to her and he speaks to the demon spirit and he says this, In the name of Jesus, I command you, evil spirit, to come out. And the slave girl that had this demonic spirit is set free. 
So Paul remembers the, the seller of purple. He remembers this young lady who was set free from, demonic, uh, uh, from a demonic evil spirit. And then finally, the jailer. Paul remembers, thinking back to Philippi, Paul remembers the jailer. Because of the incident with the slave girl, Paul and Silas are taken before the magistrate and accused of causing an uproar and breaking Roman law. Not knowing Paul and Silas were Roman citizens, the magistrate has them beaten with rods and thrown into jail. And this jailer is commanded to come into the prison and guard them. And at midnight, Paul and Silas were doing what? They were singing songs, bloody backs, beaten, handcuffed, arrested, and they're singing songs to the Lord. And they're calling upon the name of the Lord. And in Acts chapter 16, it says that all the prisoners gathered around and was listening to them. And then suddenly, a violent earthquake shook the foundation of the prison, causing the doors to fly open and everyone's chains were loosed. The jailer was fixing, this jailer was fixing to take his life because of the jailbreak. He knew that he would be put to death if they got away. So the lights go down, and then all of a sudden he hears this voice, the apostle Paul say, don't be alarmed, we're here. The jailer says, the jailer comes running in there, falls on knees, and, and quotes that famous saying, what must I do to be saved? And what does Paul say? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, you and your household, and you shall be saved. I believe that is what Paul is referring to here in, in Philippians 1.3 when he says, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you. He's remembering the early church at Philippi. He's, re he's remembering that nucleus of people that started the church. That break, that break, that brought Paul great joy. Evangelism, that is the heart of our Father in heaven. The heart of God the Father is that we evangelize the world and we bring people into a saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Nothing rings louder Nothing is more worshipful than you reaching out to an individual with the message of eternal life, with the message of Jesus Christ, and bringing them, discipling them, encouraging them to come into this personal, intimate relationship with Jesus Christ so that they can find eternal life and they can find hope. Who in your life can you reach with the gospel? Maybe a coworker, maybe a loved one, a friend, a neighbor. But who can you prayerfully, not just go out and, hey, do you know Jesus? But, but, but seek the Lord and pray for this individual and lift them up to the Lord and ask the Holy Spirit to give you an inroad into their life so you can speak into their life and share the gospel with them. To see someone come to Christ there's nothing more joyful today or even back then. What a glorious thing. So those are the first two. The, uh, the third thing that gave Paul joy, we're going to find in verses 5 and 6. And that is their participation. Their participation in the gospel. Take a look at verse 5. Verse 5 and 6. He says, in view of your participation in the gospel from the first day until now. For I am confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will perfect it 
until the day of Christ Jesus. The church at Philippi, they took it to the next level, okay? Not only did they believe, not only did these believers believe in Jesus and trust in Christ, but now the text says the NASB uses the word participation. Some of your versions use the word fellowship, but they became participants. They engaged in their Christian walk. They brought it into their everyday life. They were participating. What gave Paul joy? It was their participation. The Greek word is uh, koinonia. It means fellowship. It means participation. It means to be a part of, to engage. It means uh, to be an active participant in the gospel. After a believer gets saved and they trust in Christ, God wants you to step up to the plate. Put your hands to the plow. Reach out. Evangelize. Discipleship. Be a part of somebody else's life so you can encourage them and propel them towards faith in Christ and towards becoming a disciple of Jesus Christ. You know, so many times uh, we, we, I think we come into churches with the wrong answer, I mean with the wrong question. Instead of asking, the, you go, you visit a church, instead of asking, what can this church do for me, and shop around like, okay, it's got this, it's got this, okay, it can do this for me, it can do that for me. Instead of asking that question, the question we should be seeing is, what can I do for the church? What can I do to come in and participate? Every single believer has a gift. You have a gift. No matter who you are, old or young, male or female, you all have a gift that God has given you. What is your gift? Well, Pastor David, I don't know what my gift is. Well, pray. Seek the Lord. Search his word out. Lord, show me my gift so I can take it to the next level like the church at Philippi did, so I can exercise my gift and I can participate. I can participate in the gospel. You can do it, church. You can do it right where you're at. Maybe you're, you're, you're a store clerk or, or, or maybe you, you work at Frankie's or, or, or you work downtown Columbia or you work for SCENG or whoever you are. You can exercise your gift that God has given you where you're at in the world and in the body. We participate, verse 5 says, in view of your participation in the gospel, we participate when we reach out and when we help others find their way. We're also going to see in our verse-by-verse study of Philippians as we get into chapter 3 and 4 that the church of Philippi, they were also amazing for their financial support of Paul. Nobody in the early church supported Paul like the church at Philippi. And again, he's very thankful for their financial support. So there's sometimes where there's ministries where, you know, I'm not called to exercise in that area and that gift, but you, maybe you can support that ministry financially. Uh, a, a missionary, uh, a church, an outreach, a, a program for children, a Bible class, maybe you can help them financially. But we all are called to participate. We're all called to take the next step. And the question we need to ask ourselves and to ask the Lord is, God, how can I serve? How can I, how can I build the body? You know, um, pray about it. Seek the Lord. Search your scriptures. Talk to your pastor and find out where, where there's openings, where there's places I can serve in the body. Uh, Calvary Chapel Irmo, I, I like to say we are completely organic. You know, we came in and started with three people, and we grew and we grew, and God just started bringing in somebody to play keyboard, 
somebody to lead in worship, somebody to play drums, somebody to do children's ministry, men's ministry, women's ministry. You know, we didn't go out and recruit. Just God brought the people in. They said, hey, I have a gift. I have a, this is where my gifts are. All right, well, praise the Lord. Here you go. And, and they serve. They participate in the gospel. That's verse 5. He was very thankful that they participated in the gospel. From the first day until now, they were ongoing, they were continually. Verse 6, he says, I am confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. Now, I've quoted this verse many times, and I've always quoted it in, relation, in, 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 in reference to my relationship with Jesus Christ. He's causing me to grow. He's completing his work in me. And to that, I say, amen and amen. I, I say, yes, yes, Lord, you're, you're, you're doing your work in me. But, but if we look at it in context of verse 5, Paul just got through talking about your participation in the gospel, then putting their hands to the plow, then being involved. Now, when you think about verse 5 and then you read verse 6, he says, I am confident of this very thing that he who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. I think he's talking about ministry. I think he's talking about the believer who is participating in the gospel and beginning to do a work I believe what God is saying here through the Apostle Paul is that God will complete it God will perfect it do you believe God is calling you to serve then dive in just dive in don't walk up to the water you know you know beginning of pool season we go out there and we stick our toe in the water see how cold it is oh I ain't jumping in there sink or swim just jump in just, just, just jump in. The Lord, he says, he, is, he will perfect it. As, as, as you have a, now, don't go jump into a ministry that you have no calling or no desire for. But if there's a ministry that you have a calling and a desire for, jump in. Jump in and do it. Say, Lord, I'll do this. Lord, I'll do this. He, he will perfect it until the day of, of Christ Jesus. Paul says in verse 6, he says, I am confident. Paul was confident in the promises of Scripture, in the promises of the Bible, and so should you and I. God is faithful. It says there, He will perfect it. The, the word perfect it, it means He will accomplish it, He will perfect it, He will execute it, He will complete it. Here it is God will finish what He started. Amen? But, all, but, 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 but remember, now we have to step out in faith, we have to take a step of faith. And say, Lord, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to trust you in this new adventure of faith. And I'm going to trust you and I'm going to let you do your work in me. We have to step out in faith. Okay? God is sovereign. He's in control. He will perfect it. But at the same time, we as individual believers have to step out in faith. Five years ago, it's actually five years ago this week, I was at Calvary Chapel, Lexington. And I was in the third grade tent in children's ministry. I was teaching the third graders. We were doing our goldfish, eating goldfish, and learning our Bible lesson. And Pastor John came up to me and says, David, I want you to go to Williston, South Carolina, with me next week. And I said, okay. I had been sharing with Pastor John that I, I felt called to be a pastor. And I was studying um, college courses to become a pastor. And I was preparing myself. And I had been for over 10 years. And I had shared with Pastor John what God was calling me to do. And uh, D-Day came. That first week of January, I hop in the car. I met him at Calvary Chapel Lexington, and we started going down the back roads through Aiken to Williston. 
And he said, David, uh, you know, you shared with me, you feel called to be a pastor. Well, we have a church down here we want you to start. Boy, my knees started knocking. I was like, oh, no, I don't know about this, Pastor John. <laughs> I mean, I, 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 at Calvary Chapel Lexington, I wasn't in leadership. I was not an elder. I was not a deacon. I was not over no ministries. Only thing I did at Calvary Chapel Lexington before I came here is I was teaching the third graders in the third grade tent, and I was leading the U-Turn for Christ Bible study on Tuesday night. And now he's asking me to pray about and seek the Lord about being the pastor of Calvary Chapel Williston. And I was scared, but, you know, it, after I prayed about it and I sought the Lord, I said, you know what, sink or swim, I'm jumping in. And let me tell you, I have made a lot of mistakes. I have made a lot. I, I, brief summary, we went down there for a year. We established Calvary Chapel Williston. We grew the church. And then I shared with Pastor John early on that I felt called to come to Irmo, but I wanted to go down there for one year. Then Taryn Harless came in and took over as pastor of Calvary Chapel Lewiston, and he took it from there. But, man, I was nervous. And I, and, and, and I was, it was very intimidating. It was a very daunting thing. But I said, you know what? I'm going to take a step of faith. I'm just going to step out. Then we came over here, and we launched Calvary Chapel Irmo. You know what? And let me tell you something. I've made, I've, as I said a while ago, I've made a lot of mistakes along the way. I've learned a lot. But I've taken a step of faith. And God has, I'm confident of this very thing, verse 6, that he who began a good work in you will perfect it. God is perfecting it. He is teaching us. He is teaching me as, as a pastor now for five years the, 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 the nuances of the church and how to minister to people and, and how to best meet people's needs. But it, but it all comes from taking a step of faith. It all comes from stepping out. And saying, you know what, I don't have all the answers, I don't know it all, but I'm going to step out and I'm going to trust in the Lord and I'm going to have faith. And he will perfect the good work. Because verse 5, I'm going to participate by serving. And verse 6, as I participate, he will perfect it. All right, the fourth source of the Apostle Paul's joy is um, verses 7, verses 7 through 11. And it was the... The body of believers. Let me tell you something. Man, relationships are everything. The body of Christ being interconnected to one another and supporting each other is so vitally important. It's so vitally important for church ministry, but it's also vitally important for your individual life. Ladies, you need connection with other ladies. Men, you need connection with other men. Teenagers, you need connection with other teenagers. Such a vital uh, component in our faith. A lot of our Christian growth comes when we rub shoulders with each other. Whenever me and Rick talk and have ministry together, Rick speaks into my life, I speak into his life or Ida and Irene, or any number of us, Blake, George, but we need it. We need relationships. So let's look at um, the Philippians believers' support for the, Paul, for the Apostle Paul. Verse 7, he says, uh, For it is only right for me to feel this way about you all, because I have you in my heart, since both in my imprisonment and the defense and confirmation of the gospel, you are 
all are partakers of grace with me. That's a long sentence there. I'm going to summarize it for you. What is Paul saying here? He's saying this, that the Philippian believers were with him. They were with him in spirit. They were with him in mission. Physically, from, from the city of Philippi to Rome is 800 miles. Physically, they were 800 miles apart. But spiritually, they were locked arm in arm. They had that support. Paul, you got to remember, this is uh, Paul's under house arrest in Rome after the book of Acts. He's in chains. But you wouldn't know it from reading the text because his, his joy was founded in Christ and his joy was founded in his relationship with the believers. This is called commitment. And if there's anything that we need, to, that we need within the body of Christ for believers is to be committed. Be committed to your local church. Be committed to your brothers and sisters in Christ. Be committed to your family. Be committed. Be committed for the cause of Christ, for the gospel, for your family. Be committed. Be, uh, he says in verse 7, the last, last words, he says, you are all partakers of grace with, with me. And then halfway through verse 7, he says, he says, I have you in my heart. What a statement. You know, we like to say Jesus is in our heart, and he is by his spirit. But within the emotions of the Apostle Paul, he says, you Philippian believers, I have you in my heart, in my mind, because I know that we are one together in the gospel. It brought, it brought Paul encouragement and its strength. And if you know anything about his life, the beatings, the imprisonments, the, just the, the, the rough journeys he went through, he needed that. And he got it from the Lord and from the body. In verse 8, we, we're, we're looking here at raw emotion. Look at verse 8. For God is my witness how I long for you with all the affections of Christ Jesus. Now, we know from Paul's life, we know that he was rough. He was tough. I like to say Paul was a manly man. But at the same time of his rough and tough and his manly man endurance in life, he also had a big heart. He had a big heart. Uh, he had the heart of the Father. He cared for people. Look at it again. Look at what Paul is making a claim to in verse 8. For God is my witness how I long for you with all the affection of Christ Jesus. He's saying that the, the same affection that Jesus Christ has for people is the same affection that he had for the church at Philippi. That's big. That's huge. That's a big claim. You know, we all love one another, and we know God's love is so much greater and so much more magnificent. But Paul here is saying, just like God's love, I have that same love. And he had it, that agape love, because he had been transformed. And he had a deep commitment to the body. Let's, verse 9, we'll read verses 9 and 10. And this I pray, that your love may abound still more and more. And Pastor David adds, and more and more. In the real knowledge and all discernment, so that you may approve the things that are excellent in order to be sincere and blameless until the day of Christ. Paul's prayer 
for the church at Philippi, for these local believers, is that their love would grow. But notice the type of love he's talking about. He says that you're, you, the, the type of love that may abound more and more, he says here, is the love that's in real knowledge, verse 9, and all discernment. My friend, this is not a worldly love that Paul is talking about. This is not a, a, a sloppy, uh, wet kiss. This is not a worldly love. This is not a love that excuses or approves of, of sin. But this here, I believe he's talking about in verse 9, when he adds the phrase in real knowledge and all discernment, what he's talking about here, he's talking about a perfecting love. A perfecting love. A perfecting love says this, and I believe this is God's agape love, is I want the very best for you. It's that same type of love that we parents have towards our children when they're doing something wrong and we get on to them. Why do we do that? Because we love them and we want the very, very best. It's the same way with God. This real love, this abounding love that Paul is praying that the Philippian church has, this in real knowledge and real discernment says, I want the very best for you. And, and also, because I love you so much, I'm not going to let you wreck your life. I'm going to hold you accountable. I'm going to hold you accountable. That's real love, okay? If you have a, a Christian brother or sister, and, they want, and you know you're living in sin, and they won't challenge you, that's not love. It's just not, okay? But a, a true brother or sister in Christ, if they truly, genuinely love you with agape love, and with love that's in knowledge and discernment, they will say what you need to hear, what you need to hear. And ultimately, this love, this real, true agape love that, that Paul is praying for in real knowledge and discernment will point people to the Savior. That will point people to the Savior, point them to the author of love, the author of truth, the author of grace. And then, he's, and then in verse 10, so that you may approve the things that are excellent in order to be sincere and blameless until the day of Christ Jesus. And then he finishes it off here in verse 11. He says, having been filled with the fruit of righteousness, which comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Paul is going to completely change subjects in verse 12. So I believe in verse 11, in this introduction to the book of Philippians, in verse 11, Paul is taking us back to the true source of joy, which is the Lord Jesus Christ. My question to you this morning as we begin our journey through the epistle of joy that Paul wrote is this, where do you find your joy? Where do you find your joy? Where are you going to find your joy in 2019? My friend, you can search for all of life and everywhere, and the true, lasting joy can only be found by being a bondservant of Jesus Christ. You will find the ultimate joy as you fall in love with Jesus, as you live for Jesus, as you pursue Jesus, you will find joy and you'll find contentment based on your relationship with him. You will not believe the lies of the world, <clears throat> but you'll believe the truth of what God's word says. 
as you fall in love with him, you'll love him more. And the second place that you can find joy in 2019 is serving. Serving and being a participant in the gospel. Being a participant in the gospel. Reaching out, connecting with your church, reaching out to the community, and taking your faith in what you believe inside your heart and your faith in God and taking it and letting it flow, its, make its way out into the world. Be a participant. Find your joy in Jesus Christ and find your joy in fellowship. That is putting your faith into action. Let's, can, we, can we pray for that this morning? That's what I want to pray as, 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 as we're beginning to start the new year. I want to pray for each and every one of us this morning that in 2019, our focus is finding our joy in Jesus Christ, in your relationship with him, and then finding joy in whatever area God has called you into ministry. Amen? So let's pray. Father God in heaven, thank you, Lord, for this morning. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the book of Philippians. Thank you, Lord, that um, joy is a benefit of being a believer. And Father, I just pray that as we are on the edge of 2019, that 2019 will be a year of joy for us, a, a year of joy where we don't look at our circumstances, but we focus our life on our relationship with you, Lord Jesus. Let us, let us be a bondservant. Let us be a doulos. Let us be a slave to righteousness. Let us be a slave to you, Lord Jesus. And then, Lord, let us find our joy in, in serving the body, in serving in the church, Father, in serving in our neighborhoods, in helping others find their way to you. Lord, we love you and we praise you and we thank you for your word this morning and we thank you for this new book we're now entering. In Jesus' name I pray, Father.